Thank you for tuning in to a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy. Welcome to Centerpoint Church. We're so happy to have you here today. My name is Aaron Master. I'm the pastor here. What you're in for is a one-hour service with a mission to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We like to say here, we do what every good Christian church should do, which is to help you connect with God in a worshipful way and help you grow in your relationship with Him. Our style, it just might be a bit different than what you're used to or different than other churches in the area. But what we want you to know is we're still true to the Bible. We take God very seriously here. And we want to guide and encourage you every week you're here. Today we're kicking off this new series that we're calling I Have Doubts. And we're looking at some of the doubts many of us just tend to have or maybe our friends have or kids have or coworkers have when it comes to faith in God. Uh, we're processing some of, the, some of the hard questions that tend to just flood our minds at times. Like, for God's sake, uh, are you really there sometimes is what we question. Why does it seem like sometimes it feels like you're right next to me, guiding my every step, whereas others, I don't feel you at all. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like connected to you at all. I have doubts in you is maybe what you feel about God. Or maybe the Bible is it actually legit? Like, you might believe there are some things in it that speak such truth to you, like forgiveness and grace. But then you, like, see there's some weird stories in there, or some strange verses, and it's got you thinking, I have doubts. Or the church. Is it really the bride of Christ? Like, is it the best thing out there for someone to connect with Jesus? And you can see that it's done a ton of care, but then you also see that it's done some sketchy things. The pastors sometimes do sketchy things. Churches do weird things. Sometimes people in the church protest for things that are just good or bad or whatever it is. You maybe have doubts in the church too. If you find yourself connecting with one of those statements, this series is for you. And what I want you to know is honestly, you're not alone if you thought one of those. Statistics state things like this. Uh, if you look here, if I take the four percentages here, or the three, or yeah, the four percentages here, 74% of Americans have some level of skepticism about parts of the Bible. That's from Barna. Or this one here, 37% of Americans say they have confidence in the church. That means 63% of Americans have a lack of confidence in the church as an institution in some level. Or the last one here, uh, it says. 54% of U.S. adults believe in God as described in the Bible. That means 46% have a lack of belief of God described in the Bible. Statistics show people have doubts, which leads me to believe that you maybe have some too. And if you do, honestly, we can relate because I have both had and have some serious doubts at times, and I still have moments of these doubts throughout my life. For me, doubts started early on as a teen. Like, I needed answers. I needed the, the actual answers. I didn't want just the, like, you got to have faith answer, or the Bible says so, so just believe. I didn't want that. My doubts early on were about things that it seemed like most vocal Christians were all about or yelling about on the streets or, or on social media. There were things about different parts of the Bible. It just seemed like, to me, science and faith were, like, in this competition, or incompatible is kind of what I dealt with. It felt like these people were saying things and, and what I was reading in the Bible, it wasn't lining up with what I was being taught or what I was seeing or what research was showing. And it got me doubting and thinking, 
is this really what God intended for life, for understanding his creation? Then on top of that, I had doubts in God's existence and care for the world because I just felt if God is truly who he says he is, he must be good. Yet why are there people suffering, hurting? Why is there abuse and rape and, and cancer and early death? Really, God? Are you actually there? Are you actually good is what I thought. And then lastly, the little skeptic bug in my head was I had doubts about the church. I grew up in the 90s, so that was like a lot of the scandals of the churches, a lot of just different abuses of the church, a lot of theft and false motives of people in the church. And I was just like, this can't be what you wanted, God. I have doubts in the church. I had serious doubts. And it caused some serious stress in my relationship with God, with the church, and to be frank, even with some of my family members, as everyone in my family was a believer. Spoiler alert on all of those, I've obviously overcome some of those doubts, right? As I've planted a Christian church today, I lead that. It's a Bible-based church. It teaches about Jesus. But to be real with you for a second, I still go through moments of, really, God? Of doubts? Of, of feeling like, are you actually there? Because I'm not seeing your goodness. I'm not feeling your presence. I'm not able to feel your direction on things. What your Bible is saying just isn't making sense to me. I mean to be even a little bit more vulnerable with you for a second here. I have had moments or thoughts like this even in the last few years. You might find that scary, shocking, or maybe it's a bit unsettling for you to hear that from a pastor. But what I'm proposing today and throughout this whole series is the strongest faith isn't a faith that never doubts. The strongest faith is a faith that grows through your doubts. Now, that's me growing through my doubts. Where are you at? What about you? Have you struggled with doubts about God, the Bible, the church? Where are you at with them today? Maybe for you, the, the Bible just doesn't make sense. You, you doubt its usefulness or its direction or authenticity. Maybe for you, you just don't get how God works. Like you doubt he truly exists or he's truly for good. Maybe for you, you just, you can't trust the church. It's let you down too many times. Or maybe for you, it's not you, but maybe it's a spouse or a family member or a child and you just, they're questioning things and you just don't know what to do next to help them. Have you been there? Are you there now? In these four weeks of this series, we're going to cover three topics of overcoming doubt in God, the church, and the Bible. But for our first week, this week, I want to set up a framework of how we are as a doubter, how we should be as a doubter, or the person who is maybe hearing the doubts of another person, and how we should act and posture ourselves to grow from it. Because if I throw one more statistical trend out there for you, lots of people are leaving the church today, not because they don't believe God is good, not because they struggle with the Bible, but it's because they don't feel they are in a safe place to ask questions. And I think that trend is so true because the posture of the church is many times tight. It's rigid. It's strict. Like I think people have this feeling that the questions they maybe have about God or church or faith is one of those where church people will respond with something like this. We don't talk about Bruno. Right? We don't talk about that here. We don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about those things here. Right? It's kind of like the concept a lot of people have about things in the church. Now, I'm being silly, right? But a lot of people really do have this view. When you are in a life group or when you're with Christian friends from church or you're with a pastor, you can't ask certain things as the perspective people have. 
Is anybody a Nencanto fan, by the way? Anybody buddy, a Nencanto, not by choice fan? Uh, <laughs> I am. <laughs> um, but we feel that way. We don't talk about that. Science, genetics, evolution, sexuality questions, biblical interpretation issues, war, equality, inequality, church abuse. We don't talk about that as the perspective people tend to have. Again, we think, we don't talk about Bruno here. We don't talk about those things here. That is not true at all. Understanding some of these topics or concepts in light of faith are important for people today. If that doesn't apply to you to really understand those things, know that it's coming. Because the younger generation that you are going to have some interaction with in the future is struggling with these things. Statistics say Generation Z is the least religiously affiliated generation out of any other. It's coming. It's coming. Today, people are getting messaging and opinions from everywhere. But the most vocal tend to be the radicals on both sides of the conversation. That's what's in the news, on social media, in the streets. Some Christians, some of us today, we don't create a safe place to ask questions. We tend to have no grace, no mercy, no flex, no attempt to understand the other perspectives. We essentially have no bend in other Christian perspectives when it comes to the Bible, to God, to the church, because everything we feel is just black and white sometimes. I don't know about you, but I've learned the world just doesn't work that way. Not everything can fit in a black and white category. A lot of the toughest decisions and views one is to make is pretty gray. For example, how do I put my faith decision first but love and support my friends and family? How do I love God over anything else when I'm struggling to believe in some of the things he does? How do I tell someone that the Christian truth I believe in without coming across as judging them? How do I approach discussions with someone I love when we don't see it the same? And when people simply get rigid answers back with no grace, the lack of bending, it causes issues. I like to think of like a stick. Like if the stick is like, it's, if it doesn't bend, it just breaks, right? It just breaks. And that breaking could be what you experienced when you had hard questions. It could be your kids' faith when they have questions. It could be a family member's or friend's faith when they have questions. What I'm proposing today and what I hope to guide you through over these next few weeks is if handled well, doubts, questions, curiosity might force you to bend a bit. It might force you to bend. It's not changing your core beliefs or anything like that. Just flexing a bit. But those bends will allow you to actually help one to start a relationship with God and it will strengthen your faith in that same process. Doubts can be this thing that can actually draw you closer to God because your faith is a journey, it's not a destination. You've heard that said here multiple times on Sundays. Your faith is a journey, it's not a destination. Are there any uh, graduated Christians out there? I don't see any. It's a trick question, so I'm happy you no know, one responded. You don't arrive, right? You don't arrive. You don't graduate in faith. You don't have a prestige or a level up. I don't know anyone that says, like, no, my faith is perfect, right? No one says that. Faith is a journey. 
It's a process. It's a pilgrimage is what we talked about last week. Uh, we looked at Psalm 121 last week, and it says this, I lift my, up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. It's stating you are to keep your eyes on the Lord, on God, in your questions, in your doubts. You've embarked on this journey until you're ending with God forever. Now, as we're kind of getting to like the meat of the message today, I want you to think, where are you personally at in that journey right now? You maybe are just curious today. Maybe you're seeking. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while and it's been a, multiple years. Maybe you've just been a Christian for a short while. Either way, I want you to think, how did faith start for you? If I was to guess, you probably had a family member that had faith and you saw it and you embraced it. You maybe had a friend or a spouse, you saw it and you embraced it, you had a parent. Maybe you saw someone at church or learned something at church and you embraced it. It doesn't really matter because in all these, you probably saw their life, you heard about Jesus, you accepted it, you allowed him to change you a bit, and now you have this faith in Jesus that runs quite similar to your friends, your spouses, your parents, your, your church. It's parallel to them, like parallel lines. Who knew you were getting geometry today, Right? It's great, right? It's all good when, it, when it's running together like that. But on this journey, at some point, an unknown life decision has to happen for you. Personal questions are going to pop up inside you. Differences are going to arise. Doubt is going to stir. Maybe you even see that person you saw originally do something kind of hypocritical. I wouldn't say... Your lines get perpendicular, another geometry term for you, but it looks more like my IRA I think of, right? The projected is the top one and then it's just tanking right now. They're going on different paths. What I'm getting at though is the faith of the person you learned from, it's inevitably going to be different than your own, which leads to doubt, uncertainties, and questions. And in those moments of questions, many of us Maybe being that original witness, parent, friend, spouse, family member, we have an opportunity to help that person process, encourage them, and help them remain in pursuit of their faith. Because when doubt and questions arise at home, in your life group, in the church, it's not a time to panic or condemn or discredit. It's a time to process. The safest place for someone to process and to ask questions, it should be at home and in the church. I don't usually do this in this church, but can I get an amen to that? Feels good. I get why pastors do that more often. We should do that more often. That feels good. Now, I want you to think, though, do you honestly feel that way, though, that the safest place for people to ask questions should be at home and in the church? You might be nodding your head right now. You might be feeling yes to that. But the real question is this. Have you created that at home? Have you created that within our church? In the Bible, we can see that some of the closest followers of Jesus, they even had some doubts with him. Uh, Jesus, he was a physical man on earth. He walked. There's literally like no one that refutes that, that Jesus was physically here on earth. He performed miracles while here, and witnesses saw it. And they, some people question that. Um, but his greatest act is resurrection, of coming back to life after being killed. And this stirred some questions for people. It stirred some doubts. In the Bible, though, there are 13 different times where Jesus appears 
after resurrecting. He appears to his disciples and different believers. And his closest believers, they saw him alive again, walking more than once for some of them, but they even doubted. Check this out. In Matthew 28, 16 and 17, it says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. These people saw with their own eyes what looked like Jesus. They worshipped him because it's Jesus. But in the midst of it, some of them are still doubting. Have you been there before? You're believing and you believe and believe and believe, but then you start having some doubts, but you're still worshiping. There's another time in Scripture where someone does almost that exact same thing. It's, it's actually before Jesus is resurrected, and Jesus is about to heal his son, and uh, he says this to Jesus, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I believe. I'm just skeptical. I mean, it's the logical response, right, for a lot of us? Especially when someone does something out of the ordinary that's, like, kind of unique. Just think right now, if someone was to tell you, like, hey, the Detroit Lions are going to win the Super Bowl this year, you'd be like, nah, not a chance, as they've never won, right? That shadowy place is the Super Bowl that no line has ever been to. I watch a lot of Disney. That's why uh, we have uh, Disney memes. Or maybe the, for me growing up, like, I was a Brewers fan, not a Cubs fan, and like, recently the Cubs did the World Series, but my whole life it was like, they're never going to the World Series. So it was like, last time they went, 1908, and then 2016, the celebration. But it took a lot of years to get there, right? Or maybe, for example, your buddy like, is out hunting, and he's like, I saw an albino buck. I'd be like, no, you did not. Prove it. Like, show it to me. Prove that you actually saw this. Even like with little things, right? If someone accomplished something that is a task that's achievable... Possible, but unlikely. Uh, the guys like Dude Perfect, has anybody heard of them before? They like, do like, these impossible shots, or these really impressive shots. Here's one that I saw, and I'll show you a little clip of it. Um, but they, they're able to do it, and they record it. Check it out. Gotta refill the toilet paper. And lastly, light a candle. It's a little stinky in here. No matter what, if you knock me down, I'm gonna get on that shot of the, like, the toilet paper going into the, the rolls, they have some way, more, like, way cooler ones out there. But I thought this was an impressive one because if that happened in my household, that someone actually refilled the toilet paper roll and it wasn't me, would be like a miracle. I, I, I don't believe it. It's kind of what I would say. I don't believe it. I'm skeptical of this. Let's be real, though, for a second. We want to see it. We want proof. Have you been there in your faith before? Like, do you have people that want that clarity? Honestly, I think that's part of our humanness, right? Oswald Chambers, he says this, Doubt is not always a sign that a man is wrong. It's a, it, it may be a sign that he is thinking. Questioning is sometimes us just thinking. Unfortunately, that somehow didn't translate to the stigma of the church in the early years to question. And I don't really know whose fault it is. I'm not pointing fingers or anything like that. But to question and to be inquisitive about things, it was something Jesus allowed and let happen with his followers. There's a disciple who's known as Doubting Thomas in the Bible. And honestly, I feel like he gets a bad rap. He gets kind of a bad name, Doubting Thomas. Yet I think he is one of the more thorough disciples in the Bible. Because I think like what happens is 
again, we said in the early on, the strongest faith isn't a faith that never doubts. The strongest faith is a faith that grows in your doubts. And Thomas grows in his doubts. We're going to see that he questions Jesus. He questions him, him quite significantly after the resurrection. But later on, after that all happens, the questioning happens, church tradition states that he is murdered for proclaiming the truth about Jesus. That's intense faith. But early on, we see Thomas, he questioned Jesus quite literally in many areas. Check this out in John 20, 24 to 28. It says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand inside his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas says, My Lord, my God. Jesus didn't disqualify Thomas, but lets him pursue his doubts. He lets him process it. He looks for answers in his processing. And for Thomas, it's, it's not like this was like his first interaction with Jesus or like, oh, I finally believe in Jesus. Before, before the resurrection even happened, we see in John eleven sixteen, Thomas makes statements like this, let us also go that we may die with him. He's all for Jesus. He's ready to die for him before the resurrection happens. He's just hitting this roadblock, this moment of doubt. He's ready to, for, to die for Jesus because they're going to dangerous territory. You could see he's got courage. He's got faith, even before the questioning. But when it comes to another area of belief and growing in his faith with Jesus, after the resurrection, he's processing on his own how to comprehend it. Fortunately for Thomas, he got to touch Jesus. How many of you would just love that? I would love that. Jesus even like acknowledges that. He says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I'm sure like me, many of you would love to be able to touch, to physically see Jesus, to walk with him. Unfortunately, we can't. But that doesn't mean we can't process in our own way. So with this, dealing with doubt, I want to give you some ways you can help and ensure you aren't too rigid of a person in breaking opportunities for your own faith and for others' faith. So this is kind of like the reverse of how I do messages here. Um, but I'm going to give you some don'ts so normally I don't do that. I'm going to give you some things you shouldn't do, but I'm also going to give you some verbs or some actions in response to that. I'm going to give it to you all right away, and then we'll look at it. So here's the verse. Don't disqualify. Remain in pursuit. Don't panic. Process. Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. Or don't discourage. Encourage. So I want to touch base on each of these uh, to help us just kind of set up a safe place for these questions that we're going to go through over these next couple of weeks, along with hopefully help you create a safe place at home for questions. So the first one, don't disqualify, remain in pursuit. How many of you instantly go into freakout mode when something doesn't go your way? That's me? Okay, well, maybe it's only me. It's only me. I, I'm the only one that freaks out when things don't go my way. I think I'm a vacation planning expert. I am. I really think I am. I love to maximize time, money, and the opportunity for experiences, but if one little detail, one little bump doesn't go the way I planned, I'm all thrown off. I'm all thrown off, and I can be a bit overdramatic, like, we're not even going anymore. We're done. Forget this trip. It's kind of like how I respond to those moments. I've been saying that a lot lately, as we have two kids now. 
bumps happen a lot, forget it. We're not even going. We're done. But I think this is something we do with our faith, especially early on. Ah, the Bible says this. I can't believe it anymore. Ah, God didn't show up in this moment. I didn't feel him. I don't believe him anymore. Ah, there's this one thing in the Bible that I just can't reconcile. Ah, forget faith. That church leader did what? I can't be a part of a church anymore. We disqualify our entire belief, the truths that we still do believe, we disqualify them when one doubt arises. In these situations, instead of disqualifying the fact that we can't move forward, remain in pursuit. Continue to seek God in other areas. Pursue other foundations within the Christian faith. I mentioned uh, early on in my faith, like uh, as like a teen and in college, uh, I was at this point where I was about to disqualify my entire faith. Kind of forget it all. There were just too many conflicts for me. But the things that helped me keep pursuing and eventually circle back to reconcile a lot of things was I remained in pursuit of God. And how I did that is I focused on pillars. Uh, this is just kind of a mental thing that I personally did in my mind. Maybe it could be helpful to you. But instead of my Christian faith being only on one foundational truth, it was spread out. I created these pillars within the Christian faith to hold up my faith. Now, a couple examples of this. Jesus, as a person, I believe he was a really good person. I thought he was a great person. Like, historically, I believe like, he did a lot of good. That was part of my belief. That was part of my faith. I believe his teachings. I believe that his teachings actually make life better. I believe he like really healed people. That was one of my pillars. Uh, the Bible. I believe it had some solid truths in it that I was like, these are real. These really hit home for me. That was a pillar I created. I had faith experience. Like I grew up in the church. My family and friends. Like we we prayed together. We had these moments. I went on mission trips and I was like, wow, that was powerful. Those were pillars for me. I had this experience with God, like I had moments where like, have you ever been in like your car and it's like, oh, I just feel like God is here, like this, this song is just hitting home or, you know, you're with other people and you just see God moving. Those are pillars for me. These were pillars that I created within my faith that helped me maintain pursuit and not disqualify myself and my faith. Where are you at in that? Are you creating pillars? What are they? Are you helping the person maybe who's doubting see some of the pillars of truth that they can have? Are you not disqualifying someone because of maybe one hiccup or one bump uh, that they can revisit at at another time but continue to move forward? Honestly, a next step for you or them, if maybe they're struggling with this, if they don't have pillars, is help them experience God through some pillars. Help them be a part of a church and see the goodness Help them serve and see how impactful that can be. Help them worship and like go to a worship concert and experience the power of that. Help them experience faith conversations. Build foundation with pillars. Don't disqualify. Remain in pursuit. The second thing is this. Don't panic. Process. When you have doubts or you have someone who, who is having doubts in your life, it's not a time to panic. It's a time to process. It's a time to address to go through things. Uh, Psalm 23, 4, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You are to walk through, is what it says. The processing is the walking. The processing isn't easy. It takes work. The processing is you studying and struggling to understand. It's you researching, even when it doesn't make super clear, it's not super clear right away. It's you setting up meetings with people to try and understand and discover. 
That's the processing. But when you're going through it, don't panic. Process. I think this is a very specific point for parents. If your kid shows up and is like, I see God more like this. Or I think God does it like this way more. Or I can't believe you believe that. Or like, I don't know if I believe this anymore. Or is this really what scripture wants? In that moment as a parent, don't panic. Process. Honestly, you might not even know the answers to the questions these, your kids maybe have. You might not even have even thought about what they're questioning in that moment. It's okay. Don't panic. Process. I remember in college, during my doubting time, uh, I took a class called Science and Religion. Um, and if you didn't know, so I did seminary after I did my bachelor's, but I went to UW-Green Bay where I got an education in Spanish degree. And uh, what I did oh, is like I was in this exploration time of faith, and I took this class because I was like, this is awesome, science, religion. I want to learn about all these different things. Like, oh, I just want to get different perspectives. And I, like, what I did is I, I, like, I learned about like multiple universes in this class. I read Richard Dawkins, which is like the atheist of the time. Like the, I, had, I was all for these like debates uh, for and against Christianity. And like, I just like loved learning everything. And it stirred a lot in me. And it contested my faith that I had built up over the years. Well, I remember going home, and I, I don't mean to like throw my dad under the bus here, but I remember sharing some of this with him. And I'm pretty sure he never thought about some of these statements I was making or studied any of the things I was saying I, I, I thought about. But while I told him these things, like, oh, multiple universes or whatever, he didn't panic. He wasn't like, are you kidding me? All those Sundays, all those camps, all those youth groups, all those conversations, you kidding me? You're believing that? Which is probably what I would have done in that situation. If like one of my daughters came up to me like that, I'd be like, you were at church every Sunday, seriously? Are you kidding me? My dad didn't do any of those, but he let me process. He'd say, like, interesting. Hmm. That's kind of out there. Hmm. I haven't heard of that before. Are you sure, like, about that? Like, that seems a little off. Because he knew, he let me process because he knew I was making my faith my own. To go a little deeper about my faith for you, with you for a second, the reason I have faith today is because of my family and seeing them have faith. It's one of my pillars. It's one of my pillars. My, like seeing my, my family maintain faith in hard times. But if I'm being 100% real with you right now, my Christian faith looks a bit different than my parents or my grandparents. I maybe interpret scripture a little differently than them. I I've maybe have reconciled things a bit differently. I may be a little bit less strict than them. Of course, I still believe there's only one God. Jesus is Lord. No one can get to the Father except through him, and that I'm saved by the gift of grace through Jesus' blood. I do believe all those things. But me asking questions and making statements with my family during that time with them was me making my faith that I saw from my parents, the faith that I saw from my parents, it was me making it my own. Have you done that for yourself? Have you made faith your own and not just embraced your parents, your friends, your family members? Are you letting that happen for your family? It's okay if your faith looks a little different. Again, the safest place to process should be at home, should be within the church. So are you panicked in those moments or are you processing and creating a safe place? The last thing, the last thing is don't be discouraged, be encouraged, or 
Don't discourage, encourage. For you personally, don't be discouraged if you have doubts. Be encouraged by it. The strongest faith isn't a faith that never doubts. The strongest faith is a faith that grows in the doubts. In times of doubt, be encouraged that this doubt maybe is what God is stirring in you because he wants you to discover, to understand more, to process things a bit more. For others that maybe are dealing with doubt in this area, don't discourage them in it. Encourage them. Encourage them to question, to study, to read, to discuss. When I expressed doubts with people about my faith when I was struggling in college, I I learned a lot. And what would happen is people would kind of share their opinions, their views, but then they'd always point me to like, here's where, where I would maybe look. They'd give me like directions or ideas on resources. It was super awkward for me to share like, I don't really know if we believe the same thing. It was kind of awkward to share that. It was awkward for me to kind of ask and question, but I knew I needed to make my faith stronger, so I did it. As a friend, parent, witness, if you discourage the discovery for this person that maybe is struggling, it will never authentically be their own. My daughter, Eliza, she's two, and she literally is in everything right now. Climbing, jumping, running, exploring, touching random animals, touching random bugs, eating random things, being misindependent. Part of me just like wants to stop her before she does something kind of like, ah, it's going to be kind of rough. Uh, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't touch that. You know, it's kind of how I feel about it. But she'll never learn why if I stop her before she processes that she's maybe in a bad spot or about to do something bad. My goal is to partner with her. We've been doing like rock climbing in our house. I made one of these in our house, like those rock walls. I don't know what I was thinking. That was a mistake. And then we also have like a trampoline there too. Wow, I'm like encouraging the bouncing, the craziness. Yeah, I just realized that. Um, But she loves to climb. And like we have these stools in our kitchen that she loves to climb on. But they're like at a weird height. The rungs, like she can't get on top of it. And then once she's on, she's stuck. She can't get down. So she gets stuck on the stool like every time. And I'm there with her. And I want her to learn that like you get stuck when you climb that stool. You cannot do that stool. You get stuck there. I'm intentionally letting her process, pursue it. And I encourage it if she wants to. Sure, climb on it. I'm right there with her. It's the same with doubts and questions. If people never are encouraged to do the digging themselves, they will never authentically own the why. The why they believe what they believe. And that type of belief is one that moves, actually. When people understand the why, it moves. It makes a difference. It's the one that serves in the church. It's the one that's all about making a difference in the world. How do you need to not discourage, but encourage with you alongside a person that's maybe struggling? Is it giving them resources? Is it having follow-ups with them? Is it partnering with them to get through tough times? As we talk about doubt over this next month, what do you need to do? What do you not need to do? Don't disqualify. Remain in pursuit. Don't panic process. Don't discourage. Encourage. As I close, I'm sensing there's maybe a few people here that are kind of relieved to hear that doubt is normal and that you don't have to have it all figured out to follow Jesus. You have enough foundation. You have enough pillars to kind of move forward, to commit today, to know you need him. You want his pilgrimage of faith. You want the life that he can offer you. If that's you, I want to give you a chance to tell that to God and say, God, I want to follow you. I want you to guide my life and help me get through this. Help me understand some of the doubts I'm going through. I have enough pillars, but help me move forward. If that's you, we're going to pray in a second, and you can say that to him, and you can start your journey with God. But also, I think there's people here that maybe are just struggling with a doubt. 
They're kind of like Thomas. Maybe they, they believe, but they have like a struggle. And I'm going to pray for God to give us uh, a sign or a, a next step to help us process well and move forward with a doubt that maybe we're struggling with or help someone else that may be struggling with a doubt and help us understand what that next step should be to help them. I'm going to pray that right now. If you'd like to pray with me and ask that for, from God, you can pray. Hey, God, thank you for today. Thank you for just giving us a clear example of that it's okay to doubt. Some of us right now are saying, God, we, we've doubted for a long time, um, but we now see that it's, it's normal, it's okay. And we have enough pillars to say that we want to believe in you, we want you to guide our lives, we want, we want to follow you. Help us move forward, help us understand some of the things that maybe are just roadblocks. Help us process well. But God, we want you to lead, we want you to guide our lives. And we're saying, would you please be with us? And then God, some of us are saying, we're struggling with a particular area, or we know someone's struggling with a particular area. Help us figure out what that next step is for us so that we can move forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.